This week at church, Pastor Robin McKinley continues the summer series, The Summer of Faith. Doubt limits our potential. It causes procrastination, and we miss out on God's best. You can join us every Sunday morning at 10 a.m. on 426 Laurelwood Road in Pottstown. That's right by the Coventry Mall. Also, if this ministry has touched you in any way, please send us an email at info at c3pottstown.com. We'd love to hear from you. We hope you enjoyed today's message. And if we can find a place... Hallelujah. Well, we're talking about faith this summer. And today's message is living God's dream. So, have you ever heard the Statement said, it happens for a reason. You know, a lot of times the reason we think that it happens isn't the reason. Let me give you an example. Something happens in your life and maybe it's not the best thing in the world. And, and so some will say, well, you know, that happened for a reason. Of course, they're trying to be spiritual. And it probably happened for a reason. A lot of times in my life is because I'm just plain stupid at times, okay? It happened for a reason because I ain't real smart. Or it happened for a reason because I was speeding and I shouldn't have been speeding. Or it happened for, you know what I'm saying? Now, there are some things that happen because God wants it to happen. And there are those times that it happens for a reason, my fault, but God will use it for his benefit and for my benefit. But God has put us on this earth for a reason. For a reason. He wants to use us in a great purpose, for a great purpose, beyond anything that we could possibly ever imagine. Example, who would have thought a guy who had no popularity in school, was a loner, would become a children's evangelist and see hundreds upon hundreds of children come to the Lord and then pastor a church and be there for over 20 years. I mean, that is unheard of in my thinking. That could only be God. I remember when I was a teenager, I sang in churches. I sang in churches a lot, but I couldn't speak. One day I I got up and I introduced this song and I stuttered and I went on and 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 really I wasn't introducing the song. I was saying how I couldn't speak in front of people. And you know, the next time I sang, I sang at a larger church and I spoke before and I didn't stutter at all. I thought, wow, God is good. Cindy's the same way. Cindy in a small church on a good day ran 30, would look around and think, what could God ever possibly do in my life? I mean, they would sing this song, 
Uh, oh, Lord, use me and please don't refuse me. Some of you younger people have no idea what that song sounds like. But that was her theme song because she wanted to be used by God. God wants to use every one of us. But there's a problem when it comes to God's purpose for our lives. It involves a barrier we put up in our minds and in our hearts. And the barrier is, how could God ever use someone like me? That same barrier has been put on this church a number of times. How could God ever do anything through this church? Well, I want to tell you something. God has healed a lot of people. Now, I'm not talking about physical healings. I'm talking about spiritual healings through this church. God has done some wonderful things. And he's going to do wonderfuler. And I don't even think that's a word. Wonderfuler things through this church. Well, the Bible says that a person thinks in their heart what they're going to be, what they're going to do. And that, that was put in there by Solomon in the Proverbs. So since God has a dream and he's got a purpose and he's got a plan for our lives, what we need to do is find out what that plan is. Because if we're not being used by God, then what are we doing with our lives? What are we doing with our lives? The Bible says, and Paul tells us this in Corinthians, no eye has seen, no ear has heard, no mind has imagined what God has prepared for those who love him. I want to tell you something. That's worth running to the altar for right there. Yeah. Yeah. What Paul was saying is that God's plan and dream for us is mind-boggling. It is so fantastic, we could never even imagine what it is. One of my wife's favorite scriptures out of Jeremiah, For the Lord knows the plans I have for you. They are plans for good and not for disaster, to give you a future and a hope. Paul tells us that God is able to do abundantly more for us than we could ever possibly ask or imagine. Think about this. The creator of the universe is personally saying to you, I got a plan for you. And it is so grand. You, you couldn't even imagine what it is. So we're in the image and the likeness of God. And we know that God is a, the creator. And he's also made us creative as well. And in that creativity, he's given us the ability to imagine. Now, we can't imagine everything he has for us, but we could start we could start to imagine what God is going to do because he wants to do great and mighty things. So, so we need to em employ our imagination that we can dream 
God's dream for our lives. You know, when we were evangelists, I would come up with these, I'll just say ideas. And my wife, her favorite, favorite term when I come up with these ideas was, you're crazy. <laughs> you're crazy. And you want to know something? When, when God gives us ideas, we are crazy to everybody else. To everybody else. Amen. So we're starting with your notes now in just a moment. Know that God has done remarkable things through ordinary people. Ordinary people who have imagined their lives as something more than what they are right now. So if you're going to live God's dream for your life, you must first of all dump the doubts. Dump the doubts. One of the biggest imagination busters is doubt. Doubt limits our potential. It causes procrastination, and we miss out on God's best. We see this doubt in our words that say, I doubt that God would or could use me. The Apostle James says that if anyone lacks wisdom, they need to ask God. And God will literally supply whatever wisdom is needed. Listen to what he adds to that scripture, though. He says, but when you ask, you must believe and not doubt. Because the one who doubts is like a wave of the sea blown and tossed by the wind. And you know, what I picture there is the wave coming in and it hits the rocks and it just splatters everywhere. That's what James is telling us here. He says that person should not expect to receive anything from the Lord. Wow, that's sad. Don't be like the wave that's splattering against the rock, because you're not going to get anything. Well, before God can use us, we've got to deal with this doubt issue. And we're going to talk about Joshua again this week. Joshua had a problem with doubt as well. Of course, who wouldn't? Look at who he was following. He was following Moses. Moses is the one who took a couple million of people out in the wilderness and took care of those people for 40 years out there. And here's the assignment that Joshua had. Joshua was going to lead the nation of Israel into the promised land. Moses failed to do that. Moses couldn't do that. And now Joshua is called to take all these people across the Jordan River at flood stage into the promised land. Sure, Joshua had doubts. And why do I know this? Because right before they crossed the Jordan River, God has a pep talk with Joshua. Three times he tells Joshua, be strong and courageous. Three times he tells them that. Verse 9, he says, this is my command. Be strong and courageous. 
Do not be afraid or discouraged, for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. The Lord was telling Joshua, dump your doubts right now, because I'm going with you. I'm going before you. So doubt is a choice. Doubt is a choice. People choose to doubt rather than live by faith. And you know what's sad? What's sad is people believe their doubts and they doubt their beliefs. Let me repeat that. People believe their doubts and they doubt their belief. Instead, let's begin to doubt our doubts and believe what we believe in. And that God wants to use us and give us a great and, and give us great and prom, uh, precious promises. There are two basic things that cause doubt. Comparing ourselves, well, I was going to say comparing ourselves to others, but your notes only say comparing ourselves. Instead, look to God. We start looking at everyone else and we say, Well, that person's more talented than I am. That person can do something way better than I can. In my case, it was that person can preach a whole lot better than I can. I know. I went through it. The Bible says that comparing ourselves with others is a foolish thing to do. In fact, here's what Paul tells us in 2 Corinthians. Oh, don't worry. We wouldn't dare say that we are as wonderful as these other men who tell you how important they are, but they are only comparing themselves with each other, using themselves as the standard of measurement. (laughs) Then it says, how ignorant. How ignorant. In other words, you have no idea what you're talking about. God reminded Joshua not to compare himself with Moses. So the scripture says, Moses, my servant, is, and uh, the capitals are my idea, not the Bibles, okay? Moses, my servant, is dead. He's gone. He's out of here. You're never going to follow him again. He's gone. Therefore, the time has come for you. For you, Joshua, to lead these people. So God's saying, don't even compare yourself to Moses. It's you and me now, and I'm going to guide you, and I'm going to give you what you need because I'm calling you into something great and wonderful. The second thing that causes self-doubt is remembering our failures. God doesn't want us to focus on our past. Now, knowing our past mistakes helps us to keep from repeating them. But focusing on our past failures keeps us from moving forward. So there's a difference there. Focusing on our past is never going to help us in the future, nor will it allow God to use us in the future. Now, think about some of the people in the Bible. Think about these people were failures in their own right. 
Let's look at Moses. We've already talked about him. He was a murderer before he became the deliverer. And Jacob, Jacob was a liar and a manipulator before he became the father of the 12 tribes of Israel. King David, one of the greatest dynasties there ever was, was an adulterer and a murderer. Abraham, you know, the the father of our faith, Abraham gave his wife away, not once, but twice. Guys, that's not biblical. Don't do it. (laughs) Peter was hard-headed. He had a temper. He was always putting his foot in his mouth. And to put it in contemporary terms today, Paul was a religious terrorist. Think about this. God wanted to use them just as he wants to use us. Here's what the Apostle Paul tells the Philippians. He says, I focus on this one thing, forgetting the past and looking forward to what lies ahead. I press on to reach the end of the race and receive the heavenly prize. If we're going to live God's dream for our lives, we have got to believe God's promises. Believe his promises. Even at the beginning, God reminds Joshua of the promise he made. He says, I promise you what I promised Moses. Wherever you set your foot, you will be on land that I have given you. He says, let me just remind you of your... He'll remind us of promises that he's made, friends. When God makes a promise, he keeps it. If he says he's going to use us, he's going to use us. If he says he's going to bless us, he will bless us. God keeps his promises and he keeps his word. Well, at the end of uh, Joshua's life, when we read the scripture last week, it says... You know, this is Joshua speaking, you know with all your heart and soul that not one of the good promises the Lord your God gave you has failed. Every promise has been fulfilled. Not one has failed. And the Lord is not going to start failing with you. Amen. Friends, if you want to be used of God, believe in his promises. The place you'll find his promises are in the Bible. And if we're going to grow in our faith, we've got to build our faith on God's word. So Josh, or God's promises to Joshua, verse 5, it says, no one, I never told you what chapter we're in, did I? It's Joshua chapter 1. Sorry about that. Verse, one, verse 5 of chapter 1. No one will be able to stand against you as long as you live. For I will be with you As I was with Moses, I will not fail you nor abandon you. So he's given us promises. The first promise is right in that verse. He's given Joshua strength. Where God guides, God provides. And he provides the strength that we need. Secondly, in verse 9, it says, Do not be afraid or discouraged. For the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. So the second of God's promises here is support. He will support us. God's word 
God's word done God's way will not lack God's support. Thirdly, success. Twice in chapter 1, God tells Joshua that he's going to be successful. But God's promise of success isn't success in the world the way the world looks at it, but rather it's in what God is calling us to do. Verse 7, be strong and very courageous. Be careful to obey all the instructions Moses gave you. Do not deviate from them, turning either to the right or the left. Then you will be successful in everything you do. He's saying, under my support system, I'm going to support you. Hang in there with with what Moses taught you. And whatever you do, you're going to be successful in it. And then verse 8. He says, study this book of instruction continually. Meditate on it day and night, so you will be sure to obey everything written in it. Only then will you prosper and succeed in all you do. That word prosper means that you will prosper spiritually in the Lord. That success means that God will be there to help you succeed, just like the verse before it. So if you want to get God's promises for your life, get into the Bible. Get into the Word. Let me, let me just challenge you. And I don't, I don't want you to put your hand up, but I want you to answer this to yourself. How many here don't even open your Bibles from one Sunday to the next? Maybe you don't even open the Sundays because we make it easy. We put it right here on the screen for you. Let me challenge you to start opening your Bible. And then I'll challenge you next week after it's open, start reading it. No. (laughs) Open your Bible, read a verse. If you're not reading your Bible at all throughout the week, open it and read a verse. And if you're doing all right with that, go to a couple verses. Work your way up to a chapter. I'm not asking you to give the Lord three or four hours a day. Right now, I'm asking you to give the Lord three or four minutes a day because you're not doing that at all if you don't even open your Bible. Now, there's different ways of reading the Bible. You can just open it up and read it. My wife loves to get her phone out and to start reading, and she has the reader read it so she reads it with. Because sometimes she has a hard time with those big words, you know, like at and the. No, I'm just kidding. (laughs) But she reads along so she doesn't have to struggle over any words. And she reads chapters in the Old Testament every day, chapters in the New Testament every day. And the plan is, we we follow this plan. We're reading the New Testament twice during the year, the Old Testament uh, one time throughout the year. And I'm not telling you that's a boast on that. I'm telling you because every time we read it, every year we look into the, the verses that we've already read, I don't know how many times before, think, wow, that's amazing. Didn't even see that before. Because the Holy Spirit will speak to your heart. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Get into the Bible. That's what God told Joshua. And notice... The order of the wording. Success doesn't happen until there's obedience. Success is not based on our ability. 
Rather, it's based on our commitment to God and his word. If we're going to live God's dream for our lives, we've got to dump our doubts. We've got to believe in God's promises. And next, we've got to lean on God. You know, if you go over there and lean against that wall, you're, you're putting your trust in that wall, that that wall is going to hold you up. And dear Jesus, I hope it holds you up. <laughs> but that's the same concept is we lean against our God. He will hold you up. To Joshua, God says this, no one will be able to stand against you all the days of your life. As I was with Moses, so I will be with you. I will never leave you nor forsake you. God's saying, Joshua, lean on me. So when Joshua leaned on God, he was undefeatable. He could not be defeated. But when he stopped and leaned on his own understanding, failure came. Let me give you an example. They crossed the Jordan River. They go to Jericho, and they march around the city. They didn't even load their guns. I don't think they had guns. They just marched around the city seven days. They followed the instruction of God. The walls came down, and they defeated everybody there. It was undefeatable. They get to Ai. Ai is a small place. We don't need that many guys to go. Well, somebody had sinned in, Josh, in Jericho. They get to Ai, and they lose 36 guys. They lose 36 guys. Why? Look how small this place. We just defeated this big city, and we didn't lose anybody. They found out their sin in the camp. So they went to God. What's going on? And God isolated the problem, took care of the problem, and they defeated Ai. Then there's this band of people that comes into Joshua's camp. And they're seeking to make a treaty with Joshua. Their clothes are worn out. Their shoes or sandals are worn out. Their bread is moldy. They are dirty from being in the desert making this trip. They go to Joshua. Joshua, would you make a treaty with us? Oh, man. Joshua gets together with the elders and says, look at these guys. I think we ought to make a treaty with them. They're, they're in bad shape. So they did, only to find out they were the next town they were going to conquer. Now they can't conquer them because they just made a treaty with them. In other words, they did not seek God first. Yeah, these guys lied. Well, and, and our way of thinking would be, well, they lied to me, so therefore I can go ahead and conquer them. No. God says if you make a commitment, you're going to stick to your commitment. And they made this commitment without inquiring of God. Joshua leaned on his own understanding. Who or what are we leaning on for strength and for understanding? Having a faith that works is having faith that God will hold us up 
and keep his promises. Then our last point is step out in faith. This could be the hardest. This could be the hardest. Hmm. There comes a time when we've got to stop discussing what God has called us to do and do it. And do it. We have to step out by faith. If God tells us, let's stop praying about it and let's do it. You know, that's, that's one of the biggest crutches that people have. And I'm not saying that we should stop praying. But people will use that. Well, I'm praying about that. All right, it's time to stop praying about it and do it. I don't know how many times we stepped out in faith which would have made or broke our family. Three major times that I know of. We had to step out in faith. And it never broke our family because we always had the mind of God when we did it. Someone said there's a time when we have to get off our blessed assurance and get in gear and get in gear. It was time to cross the Jordan River. And this is what Joshua did. He says, I want all the officers to get together. It says, so Joshua ordered all the officers of the people. It says, this is it. We've wandered around this desert all your lifetime. It's time now to get over to the Jordan, go over the Jordan River. They stepped out in faith. First of all, the priests. Now, this was different than when they crossed the Red Sea. The Red Sea, Moses held his staff over. It all separated. The land was dry, and then they stepped out. This time, they were going to step out in faith. This time, on a flood-raged river, the people carrying the Ark of the Covenant had to walk out first. Yeah, they got wet. They had to hold the Ark of the Covenant up so it wouldn't get wet. And when they got out there, that's when God said, this is faith, friends. This is faith. You're not going to drown. You're not going to slip and fall. You're going to walk across on dry land. And he stops the river from flowing. He stopped the river from flowing. Can you imagine what God can do in your life? Sometimes you've got to walk out in, in the, into the circumstance. Sometimes you're, you're wondering. I mean, we had a lot of Job's comforters the first time we stepped out of faith. We had a baby. We had an international scout. And we had stuff that would fit in the international scout. And we're oh man, we had people tell us, poor Chris, I feel so bad for you. They told us that the car would jar him around so bad that he would have problems with his intestines all his life. He'd been doing all right. He'd been doing all right. And then he had this much of the back seat. That's where his car seat was. And everything else was clothes and equipment. We knew where we were going for the, for the summer. We had no idea where we were going after the summer. 
In fact, during the summer, we had cancellations because people had second thoughts because we had no track record. I'm telling you this because sometimes it's risky, or at least it seems risky. So let's dump our doubts, friends. Let's believe the promises of God. Let's lean upon the Lord and then let's step out in faith to do the purpose and the will that God has for your life. So, what's your Jordan? What are the circumstances that you have to deal with to step out in faith? What's the barrier that stops you by God whatever it is just lean on him and step out in faith and understand the first step is always the hardest it's always the hardest but when he starts to dry out the land before you when he starts to clear the circumstances around you
surely 